Love Talk Radio. This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the Solink front of the house. Yes, this is Franchise Today, and I'm Stan Friedman coming to you from home base two weeks in a row. Boy, does that feel good. Atlanta, Georgia. Today is Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. And hey, digging right into the front of the house today, I want to thank last week's guest, Shane Evans, for an outstanding interview. Massage Heights continues to grow under her leadership, and while much has already been accomplished in her career, keep an eye on Shane Evans. Massage Heights and Elevated Brands, their parent company. There's much more ahead. And speaking of Massage Heights, one of their premier area developers, serial entrepreneur J.D. Bush, is currently featured on Franchising.com, and what a great read it is. His current portfolio of 60 amazing lash studios and 30 Massage Heights retreats is just the latest evidence of the disruptor that J.D. is. Back way back in 1995, JD put three different franchises, an NCA Supercenter, a KidFit Sports Daycare, and a United Taekwondo Studio all under one roof, long before that bolting-on brand strategy was as commonplace as it's become today. The first franchisee of the Amazing, amazing Lash Concept, JD is also its largest area developer and is gearing up to open 40 more this year in Texas, Florida, and Georgia. I think it's time to get J.D. on for an interview, and uh, you can look for him here in the weeks ahead on Franchise Today. In fact, I shared a text with him just this morning after reading that article, and J.D. is looking forward to getting back from Park Springs and the unconference and uh, locking in a date with us here so that we can have him on in the weeks ahead. Speaking of the weeks ahead, another serial entrepreneur, founder, and franchising icon is slated for next week. I'm speaking about none other than David McKinnon, who over the past 40 years has demonstrated an extraordinary ability to recognize unmet needs in the marketplace, innovate solutions, and establish recognizable brands. David's a fire-tested executive whose business acumen combined with a set of unshakable beliefs has helped guide him and his companies through three major recessions, including the dot-com meltdown and the Great Recession of all. So we'll be learning a whole lot more from David next week about service brands and, and the companies that he has started like Molly Maid and Mr. Handyman and companies that he's sold and uh, about his tremendous commitment to IFA's next gen franchising program, which he helps underwrite and helps provide um, education, information and achievement of the dreams and ambitions of today's millennials, tomorrow's, franchisees. We'll talk about all of that and more when David joins us next week on Franchise Today. I also want to give a, a shout out to something that made me grin this week, which is kind of cool. I've been spending a lot less time lately on Facebook, and I really don't have patience or the time for all the vitriol sometimes of the varying political beliefs that are being uh, shared there in ways that are not really fun to read. But um, I saw one this week that I just have to share with you. This was posted by Michael Side, 
uh, day before yesterday, and it was called The Trial of Goldilocks. And this was what Michael described as a very cool lesson plan that was taking place in his granddaughter's second grade class, where apparently the teacher was going to put Goldilocks into a real courtroom with a real judge and try her for breaking and entering and for theft. The children would become the prosecutors, the lawyers, for the defense, the witnesses, and the jury. And this would then become their beginning education on how the judicial system functions in our country. And I thought this is a hugely great idea. So I read this post and chuckled at it, but I chuckled louder when I saw the first comment come in from Robert Crisante. And Robert said, Michael, I'm assuming you're going to serve as an expert witness. <laughs> well, then Michael replied, replied back to Robert and said, I think I'm going to take a pass on this one, Robert. Clearly, Goldilocks is being railroaded. The 1% trio of bears do not want to share, and she was only taking what AOC and Bernie said was her fair share. Bad form on the bears. I understand she also has a claim against them for ripping her dress as she had to climb over the wall before breaking into their home. Too political a hot potato for me, Robert. I'm not getting involved. Robert responds back to Michael and says, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. But before I share, before I move on from here, I've just got to share one more uh, follow-up post that came from Nate Greenberg. And Nate said, but please do consider this. Clearly, the smell of the porridge and the open window constituted an attractive nuisance, not unlike a swimming pool without a fence. I hope the bears have the right insurance. Hey, guys, I just got to tell you, this is the kind of stuff that would keep me on Facebook um, instead of chasing me away from it. You know, no matter where you weigh in on these political comments or beliefs, when we can laugh about them and have a good time with them, um, they're okay, fine by me. So, hey, let's do more of that on Facebook, and um, maybe more of us will stick around. One or two quick more shout-outs today. I want to shout-out to my good friend, my backstage producer, Ryan Hicks, who did an incredible, incredible job during the IFA convention on his own podcast, which is called Modern Business. And Ryan scored a huge hit in that 20-minute promised interview with Gary V. Gary Vayacek, Vayacek wound up being closer to an hour. And that podcast is available. And this is, I'm going to post this on the, um, the Franchise Today Facebook page because it's way too long for you to write down. But here it is anyway, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash soundhound, soundcloud.com forward slash modern business. And there's no E the way Ryan spells modern forward slash Gary V E E dash on dash franchising. Like I said, you can't possibly have gotten that right because I couldn't even say it right, but I'm going to post that link onto the franchise today, Facebook page so that you're able to link right over to it. I also want to give a shout out to my friend and Franchise Today founder, Paul Segreto, and remind everyone about Paul's weekly podcast. Paul and I used to do this program for a few years together, and Paul's moved into another realm and is doing a program on Saturday mornings called Franchising and You, and that airs right here on Block Talk Radio every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, 8.30 Central. And the focus there is on prospective franchisees trying to learn more about what to consider as they look into the realm of becoming franchisees. And so that really covers the front of the house today. 
And um, the front of the house, as always, is brought to you by Solink, providers of amazing loss prevention technology for restaurants and retail. In fact, I like to say that Solink has done for loss prevention what Apple and Android have done for cell phones. They've made point-of-sale and security camera systems smarter. Whether you operate a single unit or a multi-unit empire, or perhaps are the franchisor, or an executive of a retail or restaurant brand, anyone concerned with unit-level economics in a restaurant or retail business should take my advice and learn more about Solink. When deployed, Solink's technology captures instances of exceptional behavior at all of your sites. Solink records everything that goes on in the front and the back of the house, eliminating the need to review hours of tape to identify those exceptions. Their technology captures it all and provides reports that actually direct your attention to the specific video clips of those exceptional transactions. This gives you full visibility into every action at every site from any device and the ability to do so on demand. Whether these are unusual transactions or unauthorized activities, Solink utilizes your current point of sale and security camera systems, giving you added value from those existing systems. That's right, there's no new cameras or hardware required for Solink to get to work for you. Catch up with them at the upcoming multi-unit conference in Las Vegas, or as always, find them online at wlink.com. And that brings us to today's guest, Shannon Wilburn. From a living room in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1997, Shannon has taken Just Between Friends to the Forbes magazine list of top 10 U.S. franchises for three straight years. As Just Between Friends co-founder and president, Shannon has built the brand to more than 150 locations across 30 states and has also been named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's top 500 franchises for the past six years, all while also learning the fran- earning the Franchise Business Review Franchisee Satisfaction Award and landing the Children's Consignment Store brand on FBR's top 50 franchise list for the past 10 years. Just Between Friends has been featured on numerous national TV shows, including the Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS Early Show, Fox, ABC, CNN, Headline News, Inside Edition, and this week, Shannon's bright light shines right here. Her passion, her story, and her love of life, family, God, and church, business, and friends will undoubtedly inspire you too and help you live your life to the fullest. Shannon, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you. I want to meet this person. (laughs) (laughs) You make me sound so good. Well, you know something. I'm happy to us- be be on the blog on the um, podcast today, Stan. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Those of us who know you know you are that good, so you're very <laughs> modest, and we're going to draw you out of that modesty today, so that our listeners and audience can learn from some of those things that you've experienced to help you get where you are today, and they can do it without having to take the bruises and the hits that you've taken already, which is what this program is really all about. It's helping put the word sustainable in front of growth and sensible in front of franchising and sharing the stories of those like you who have already accomplished what others are still looking to aspire to. So you're kind and you're very, very modest about yourself, Shannon, but you're a giver. And, um, and that's why I'm thankful that you're here to give to the audience Today. Thank you. Well, you're a giver too, so thank you for doing this podcast. I um, I really wish when we started franchising 
back in the beginning of 2004 that we would have that I would have known that something like this was out there and available because it's always great to um, hear where others have gone before you go there so you don't make the same mistake. So um, thanks go. for having me on today. So Shannon, I know that part of your mantra is making things more intentional, but as our listeners all know, interviews here begin every week with a reflection on the fact that franchising is really not very intentional. Most people never really endeavor to be or study to become involved in franchising, rather franchising tends to find us Correct. as a result of, of some other events in our lives. Yep. I want you to rewind the tape and tell us not just about that beginning for you, but what led to it. Talk to us a little bit about um, some of the unique childhood experiences that led you to where you are today, and then we'll roll into the franchise story a little bit further down the line here. Okay, perfect. Um when I was born, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was a little bit older than that. Let's go back um, to age 12, which I was kind of pointing. I know. Um, so when um, I have a twin sister, when my twin sister and I were 12 years old, my dad, who was 33 and was climbing the corporate ladder, um, he was CFO of an oil and gas company, um, was meeting with people like Ross Perot and the Rockefellers, and he was – uh, you know, making six figures in the early 80s, had stock options, just was very, very successful. We had just built a brand new house um, with an atrium in the middle, and I had clothes in the closet with tags on them. I mean, that was kind of how we were living at that time, 1982. And um, we went on a ski trip, and my dad came back with numbing in his legs. And within six weeks of that ski trip, he went from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair and was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and had to go on disability. And what that meant for our family was we – we started um, figuring out how lucky we had been and how blessed we had been financially. Um, and that went away very quickly when my dad had to um, quit work. And my mom, who had put my dad through school and did not have a degree, she went to work to start providing for our family. We moved from that big house into a small rent house, and there were no more clothes in the closet with tags on them. And my dad, who was a um, CFO, like I said, he put us on a clothing budget. And uh, what that meant for us is we had a certain amount of money that we could spend um, for the year, and we could spend it all in January, or we could, you know, ration it out over the next 12 months. And so what that meant for us is that we discovered consignment. And we learned how to stretch our dollars because we still wanted to dress cute in junior high and high school, but we had to learn how to do it more on a budget, like, you know, most of America. Um, and that is how I learned to love consignment. And then I ended up going to college, continued shopping consignment, got married, um, and I married a pastor. And not that that was a vow of poverty, but it was not going to be a lucrative lifestyle. Um, so I knew that when we had children, we would start shopping consignment. And that's what we did uh, when my son Jake was born um, in 1994. I shopped consignment for him. And then my daughter was born 15 months later and shopped consignment for her. And it was at that point where I realized, you know, I really want to try to stay home with my kids and raise them uh, myself. And so I told my mom, I said, hey, you know, if you ever hear of anything where I can do 
make some money from home, let me know. And she worked with a lot of young moms in Fort Worth. And she called me one day and she said, Shannon, she was like, there's this event that just happened. And all of my coworkers came back with these great deals on children's items. And she said it was a consignment event. And I, I really didn't know what a consignment event was because I'd never heard of it. Um, But she told me what she knew and I, and I thought about it and, and I was like, well, she said, you need to start something like this in Tulsa, which is where I live. And um, it sounded like a lot of work <laughs> because it is a lot of work. Um, but I called um, a good friend of mine from church, and her name's Devin Tackett. And I said, what do you think about this? Because she was the biggest bargain hunter that I knew. So dumpster diving, garage sales every weekend. She knew how to um, make her dollar stretch. And she said, "That it sounds great can I do it with you? And that was how our partnership formed. And so we, um, this was in 1997, we convinced 17 of our friends to consign with us, if you will. So bring us their gently used children's and maternity items. And we got everything ready and we knew we didn't want it to seem like a garage sale. So we tagged everything. Everything looked nice. Everything was on hangers. We got um, racks out of the dumpster at the mall. We made A-frame signs out of um, leftover plywood that we also found in the dumpster. (laughs) You you can see a theme here. We were trying to save money. (laughs) And um, so we sold $2,000 worth of items in the very first event. And my co-founder, Devin, came up with the name Just Between Friends. And the people who shopped at the first event, they um, saved 50 to 90% off retail because everything was gently used. And the people that sold made 60 to 70% on whatever they were selling. And Devin and I both made $150. Someone tried to buy my couch because it was in my living room <laughs> and they thought it was a garage sale. Uh, but that was that was our first event. And we didn't we didn't know that this was going to become, you know, really a lifelong fun business. We were just trying to make a little bit of extra money for our families and clothe and our children time, on a budget. At that time, yep. you were teaching, right? I actually had taught for a year and a half before my son was born, and I was trying to stay home. So I had done an in-home daycare. I mean, I was <laughs> that was what I was doing. I was just trying to, we were trying to make ends meet on one salary. And it, so anything I could do to add to our family's income was a bonus. So So from that first from that first event, what were you guys doing then? Were you doing these you didn't have a retail outlet yet. So no. where were you yeah where were you gathering all this and how were you getting the public to come and find you? Right. So we you know, we just did marketing to preschools and stuff like that at our we, we told all of our friends at church and anyone we ran into that had kids to to come to the event. And after that first event where we sold $2,000, it was, it was awesome because it grew by word of mouth. So it was, it met a need in the community. So the families in Tulsa needed a way to save money on their children's items. And this was a way that they could do it. And and families needed to be able to get rid of all of the stuff that you have to buy for your kids is so expensive if you pay retail for it and they only use it for three to six months. And then you have to kind of, especially with clothes, you have to re-outfit your every child you have every six months because they're growing and because the season changes. 
changes. And so it's really expensive. And we were providing kind of the solution to a problem that exists everywhere. And um, it was, I think it was successful just because the people in Tulsa totally embraced it. And they said, when are you going to do this again? And Devin and I didn't know that we were going to do another event. But we asked a girlfriend of ours who lives, who lived in another part of town, in a much larger house and had a three-car garage if we could use her three-car garage because that was bigger than my living room. And so we had a couple of events there. And then we moved to a church gymnasium in South Tulsa. And then um, in 2000, we got kicked out of that church gymnasium because they they hosted a preschool. And on inside days, they needed the gym. And we were in there um, for, you know, five days at a time in the fall and in the spring. And so they said, you know, you can't have your event here. And so we did a lot of praying and really it was a leap of faith. Our next move was to move to the Tulsa fairgrounds because it was expensive. um, And we knew we weren't going to make a lot of money, but our, our hope and prayer was that we would be able to grow there and that families in Tulsa would always know where we were at once in the spring and once in the fall, since it's an event based business. So our, our franchise owners, um, and we can get to how we started franchising, but our franchise owners, none of us have retail locations. They are, it's event-based. So you find our franchises in fairgrounds and convention centers in closed retail locations, like maybe an old Best Buy or um, mm-hmm. an old mall location where a department store has gone out. So yeah, there, um, there are more and more of those, more yeah. and more of those opportunities out there now. Aren't yeah, there? there are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. The Woodland Hills Mall comes to mind. <laughs> That's our mall in Tulsa. There you go. <laughs> you know the so area. So how long, how long did this go on, Shannon, before light bulbs started flashing in your head that said, ding, 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 ding. This could be yeah. scalable. This could be replicatable. I can build a business of businesses around this as opposed to just events. When did that start I would like to say that I had this very smart business brain at that age, but I did not. And so um, Devin and I did a lot of things wrong. And um, we we would have friends and family that said, I want to I want to start one of these just between friend things where I live. And so um, we would um, help them get started and kind of. Um, and I and I I, t- I hate to get into the story because it's a whole nother story, but. Um, when we would help someone get started, we would just get phone calls all the time. Well, how do you get consigners and how do you market? And really there were about 10 of us that were doing just between friends um, in Colorado, California, Texas, Florida, and we were really proving the concept. I didn't know that terminology at the time. My elementary education degree did not teach me about proving the concept, but that's exactly what we were doing. But it was it was taking a lot of time. But, you know, Devin and I were not the only ones testing ideas. We had 10 other people around the country that said, hey, this worked for me, and oh, this worked for me. And so we were really helping each other. Uh, but it was a lot of work, and I had taken another job selling advertising here in Tulsa. And so I was working 30 hours a week there. You know, as a youth minister's wife, I had two kids. I was doing just between friends and, you know, this other job and and helping these other families that were starting just between friends in their area. It became a little bit um, just a lot of it took a lot of time. And I was complaining to a friend of mine and about it. and he said, well, Shannon, is, is your concept 
profitable here in Tulsa? And I said, yeah. And he said, and you have other people doing this around the country? And I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, they're profitable? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he said, why don't you franchise? And I literally said, what does that mean? Because I knew McDonald's was a franchise, but I didn't know you could franchise an event-based business. And he said, well, he made it sound so easy, Stan. <laughs> he made it sound so easy. Um, was this said, somebody in franchising? Was it somebody no, you know? No, he was a marketing director um, at a at a church. He he just knew oh, business. I guess he had. He, well, he had vision. He had a lot yeah, of vision. Totally, totally. Um, he said, you just put a, you get an attorney, put a contract together, you write an operations manual, all those things, all those phone calls you're having right now, put it in writing, Shannon, and that way you don't have to tell everyone. And um, so I, I left his office, literally drove to Barnes & Noble and bought the book Franchising for Dummies. How and funny I read that it. I mentioned Michael. <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, that's so cool that I know one of the authors. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so what, you know, what, what, year, what year are we in right now? This was 2003. Okay. 2003. Yep. And we had, we had been growing the Tulsa business where we, we thought the Tulsa business couldn't grow anymore because it was so successful and the people in Tulsa had really embraced it and were coming out in droves to buy and sell gently used children's and maternity clothes, toys and baby equipment two times a year. And so, and the frequency um, never increased. It remains to the same. It remains two times contracted two times a year. About a third of our franchise owners do three events a year. So, um, so it's gotta be, I mean, that's kind of like a a tax concept or something. You don't have, a very, very busy year all year long, but when you are working, you are raking it in, I guess, because you're profitable with two or three events a year. These things really have to be throwing off some money. They... It sounds like that would be the case. The margins are not huge on event-based business because you you have to, you know, these venues are not free. (laughs) So the -hmm. venues um, tend to be the largest expense that our franchise owners have and marketing as well because you you can host an event, but if no one comes – then it's all for not, you know, it's not like you're open every day and they can just come when they want. So you have to really get the word out. And so our franchise owners, they do a very good job marketing their events. And, you know, this is one of those things that grows by word of mouth a lot just because people make and save money. But um, our franchisees work hard at getting people in the door so that the items that are there are sold. So we really have two demographics of people that we're marketing to. We're, we're marketing to shoppers, so families that need gently used children's and maternity items, toys and baby equipment, and then we're mar- marketing to people who no longer want to keep that stuff in their garage or their attic or their closet, you know, um, and it's just a sustainable way to do business. So, so yeah. let me just clarify it so that I understand. In a franchisee's world, they mm-hmm. buy the franchise – and they do two events a year at a location, but then do they do multiple locations? So do they have multiple events twice a year or multiple locations where they do twice a year events? Or is it No. Just the, okay. they will usually choose, like the Tulsa event happens at the Tulsa Fairgrounds in March and in August every year. Um, and so you know if you live in Tulsa, 
Um, there's actually four franchises in the area. So we have Broken Arrow, we have Jinx, and we have Owasso, and then we also have the Tulsa sale. So there's there are eight different options every year to shop at one of our events because we have four franchises. And what are the, the franchises? Area. What are the franchises doing between events? So what's the rest of the year look like? Yeah, they're preparing. So they're you know getting the word out. Um, if you are selling at one of our events, you are actually tagging your items at home. And so we have a proprietary point of sale system, proprietary tagging software where families go online and they they get their items in front of them and they actually tag and price their own items. And we have a specific way that they do that with scannable barcodes. And so, um, you know, that, that takes a little bit of time to educate your sellers on how to prep and prepare their items. So they're taking care of marketing, so doing Facebook Lives and um, putting their um, videos together and, you know, getting their postcards ready, getting their signage ordered. The same stuff that every other franchise in the world would need to be doing. It's just that it's flexible. They can do it when their kids go to bed. They can do it before their kids get up. They can do it while their kids are at school. So it's really good. We have lots of lots of women, especially women owners. Probably, I would think probably 98% of our franchise owners are women. And, you know, so this is something that really is helpful for them because they can do it when they have time. So it's flexible, supplemental. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the consumer side and how you've become a wildly – you know, raving fans of, of, of your concept and how the consumers learn about it and the kind of marketing that you do. Um, and then we're going to round out the interview today with some discussion about the franchise opportunity and who it is that should be looking into your concept and who it is you're looking for. And we'll do all of that right after we take a quick break. This is Franchise Today, and I'm Stan Friedman talking to Shannon Wilbur. Franchise Today, we'll be right, we'll be back. right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communication to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. No long-term contracts, Multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions. Find us online at frmsolutions.com. So, Shannon, it's a, a big, I mean, a whole year's revenue can, can hinge on a single event. That's, how do you sell that to, <laughs> to uh, someone <laughs> to not be too worried about that? And we're gonna, It's a question probably I should have asked a little later in the interview, but I can't get that thought out of my mind. Uh, we want to talk the consumer side, but help me with the answer to that first. Yeah. So our um, 
average unit volume for a franchise in 2018 was 211,000. So these are these are not, you know, these are not million dollar franchises that people are buying and it's a low investment for our franchisees and so they feel like they can, you know, take that risk. And if someone really wants to make what I consider a full-time income, they need to be a multi-unit owner. And we do have several, I think we have 26 of I think 26 of our franchisees own 62 of our franchises, and we have 150 in 30 states at the moment. Um, And so that is a great way for people who maybe don't have another part-time job on the side or even a full-time job. Lots of our franchise owners, they have a full-time job. And they have kids, and they have a spouse, and they have hobbies, and they they still do this as you know just supplemental income as a single unit owner. Um, so su- pretty much, people like you, people that were like you looking for what you were looking for become your best franchises. Yep. Soccer soccer moms, yeah, uh, providing services for other soccer moms and taking care of their families' needs with a, I guess, a revenue generating thing that they're they're probably yeah, doing anyway. Have, I mean. I, I want to point out something too about our brand is our brand is really, it's, it's a passion project for a lot of our franchise owners. Like they're not buying this concept to make a lot of money. This really, it's a community event and they see the, just the intrinsic value of helping their fellow moms make and save money and many of them are in the same situation that the rest of the community is in i need to make money i need to save money and this is an event that i can put on that will help my community and you know one of the one of the things that we do is we have we have franchi- we have our franchise owners they are marketing for families to sell their marketing for families to shop but they also look for a local nonprofit with which to give um, unsold items. So families at the end of the event, the ones that are selling their items, if they choose to, they can choose to donate their unsold items. They don't have to donate their, their unsold items. Mm-hmm. They can come back and pick them up. We, we put everything back in their consigner number. It's really easy for them to come back and pick up the items that didn't sell. Or they can say, you know what, I don't want this stuff back in my house. I would like to go ahead and donate this to the local nonprofit. So last year alone, we had $7.6 million of in-kind donations that were donated by 78,000 consigners around the country. And this was to 210 different local nonprofits that are then going and giving those items then to families in need. And um, I'm really very, very proud of the families that participate in the donation side of our business um, because it's just, you know, that's what we're about. It's not just about making money. And, yes, I want my franchisees to make money. And, yes, I want my franchisees to be profitable. But this part of the business to me is just as important, the giving back side of it. And I, and I definitely want people to know that about our brand because it's important. Is it um, is it more than just clothing, Shannon? Do you do cribs and strollers and things like that too? Yes, mm-hmm. we we do baby equipment. So exactly that: cribs, strollers, car seats, um, anything. All that baby equipment is so expensive. Um, kind of another thing that our brand really hounds on is the the safety aspect. Um, 
if you have kids, you know that there there are children's items that get recalled all the time, and it's really difficult for parents to keep up with that. Um, and so at each of our events, one of the things that we do is we we help our families know not to bring recalled items by just educating them on things that are recalled and giving them a way to look and see if their items are recalled. And then most of our events have someone who will go around and check items, especially like the top 10 hottest recalled items, like strollers or something like that. We'll check and make sure that the items haven't been recalled. And we actually have um, on our corporate staff, we have the only um, recall i i forget what her title is but um hmm. she is she is she is in charge of recalls for our brand and she's the only one in our industry not just the children's and consignment but secondhand so the goodwills and that type of thing is so much so that the consumer product safety commission tried to steal her away from me they tried to hire her <laughs> she didn't want to live hmm. in dc though so she stayed <laughs> um but um you know she gets to give her opinion on the recall information that goes out to the secondhand industry and i'm very very proud that she's a part of our company her name's cammy nice shout out for cammy yeah so shannon with all the media and all the press you've gotten how much of it has been centered on the concept versus the franchise or has it been a fair amount of both um yeah a fair amount of both i would say um are you talking about if if it's more centered on yeah when you hear from the today show the and, and yeah when you hear from you know national morning yeah. shows like today and CBS are they interested in learning more about what it is you're doing and how you're helping families or are they more attracted to what the business opportunity side of your life looks like they're not typically focused on the business side um, because you know they have such a wide audience on those national shows they are really wanting to help families who need to make and save money. And so I think in every instance that I've been on a national news show like that, it has been, well, not every instance, but especially the Today Show and Good Morning America, both of those were focused on the actual concept of how families can come and shop and how they, I, I think with one of the shows we did, we gave, we gave a couple of people $50 and said, see how far you can you know, take this, and they came back with, you know, loads of items that they filled their carts with for $50, things things that it would normally cost $300. Um, so that that was a fun, a fun little bit we did. You know, Shannon, I know you've been motivated in large part by other women in franchising. I know that Melanie Bergeron is one name that sticks out in my mind. Yes. Um, and, I, and I know you've been a big advocate of mentoring. You've reached out to many within the leadership of IFA for counsel and guidance. Yes. And I think you're at the stage now where here you are mm -hmm. on my podcast sharing nuggets with others. What advice can you give both to women and anyone who, like you, didn't go to school and study for franchising, didn't go to school and even study business? What are some early stage pointers that you may share with the audience that might be thinking on a similar track as yours to investing in a concept or trying to grow a business and bootstrap their way up to the 150 and 30 states rankings that you're at today? You know, I, I probably my very first piece of advice is going to be surround yourself with smart people. Um, it is, there is absolutely no way that 
this concept would be where it is if I didn't do that. So I knew that I did not have the education um, to know how to franchise. Um, and Devin and I kind of muddled through early on because we didn't even know about the International Franchise Association. So so surround yourself with smart people and become a member of the IFA for sure. Um, that was something where we spent thousands of dollars and lots and lots of time in the wrong direction early on in the in the franchising side because we didn't know about franchising. And we didn't know that there was this group that willingly gives of information all the time and you just literally have to pick up the phone and ask questions and so I would say don't be afraid to ask questions and um, you're going to ask questions that you don't know which means you need to ask them and don't be afraid to do so because um, you know I love to give advice and I think anyone else who has seen any shred of success wants to share how they did it um, with others so that so that they don't have to go through those same things and um, I so many people have poured into me and poured into Devin and um, it has it's man I still, <laughs> I still pick up the phone every week and say, hey, we're struggling with this. Like, what would you do? And how did you handle this if, if they had been through it before? Um, I have a – I think it's also really important for people to have mentors and kind of like-minded people who will, you know, tell you if you're going down the wrong path um, and pull you back in the right way. You know, someone who can tell you – that was a stupid decision, Shannon. <laughs> um, I, I think it's important to have those type of people, obviously not mean people. Um, you can tell people that's not the right way um, in a kind fashion. Um, but one of the things that I did probably three years ago was I really felt like the Lord was leading me to put together a group of women in franchising in C-level positions. There are not a lot of women in C-level positions in franchising yet. Um, I think it's growing every year, but um, it was, it just, I felt like the Lord was leading me to do that. And so probably about three years ago, I put together a group and we just get together once a month, but we're in a, I mean, once a year, but we're in a group text where we can, you know, text at any time, day or night, if we're going through anything personally or professionally. Um, and that has just been a huge help to me. And I believe if you would ask any of the others that are in that group, that they would also say the same thing. It's just, it's nice to be able to talk business and talk family, talk um, failures and successes with people who are kind of in the same space as you. So if you, you know, for, for anyone listening, um, you know, it just takes two or three people to put something together like that. And I would say reach out because there's always, always a need. I think you exude passion and empathy and anyone who were to become affiliated with your brand would certainly have the steady hands of leadership upon them. And, and as you're talking about, you know, at the beginning of the program, I called you a giver and I'm, you've led me to a place where I've got to bring this into the conversation. Um, the Lord talked to you about more than just that, didn't he? At one point, you were getting some messages about giving, and it had nothing to do with franchising. Let's learn a little bit about that side of how important life balance is to you and what a giver you truly are. You know where I'm going, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know where you're going. So um, Tell the audience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so... I, I hate I don't even know where to start, but in in um 
2016, I was sitting in probably the fall of 2016, I was sitting in my church and there was an, an announcement from the stage that a gentleman um, who also attended one of our branches, we had three branches at the time. And so he didn't go to the branch that I went to. Um, they said he was in dire need of a kidney. And what I heard in my spirit right then, Stan, was, it's you, Shannon. And I know that sounds weird because it sounded weird to me when I heard it. And I immediately thought, you know, who else in this congregation right now? There were probably 700 people there. Who else heard that? And I was like, well, it's definitely not me. I don't even know this person. <laughs> and um, why would it be me? I have a business to run. I have two kids. I have a husband um, who has had cancer. I don't need to donate a kidney. This is crazy. I mean, all of that went through my head. And so I just ignored it. Um, and then about once a month for the next year, it was like the Lord was tapping me on the shoulder saying, remember, Shannon, it's you. And it, it would just be at very random times. Um, uh, fast forward to July of 2017, I was coming back from an advisory board meeting in Dallas, and uh, one of my executive team members was in the car with me, and just out of the blue, we were not talking about kidneys or anything, and she said, she said Shannon, one of my friends just donated her kidney. And I literally looked at her. I was driving, and I remember saying, why did you just say that to me? <laughs> Um, because it was just out of the blue. And she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to donate my kidney to this person, you know, and I was kind of mad about it. Um, just it, it was like at that point and from July until September, it was like the Lord turned up the heat where he wanted me to pay attention. And it was every week I was getting some type of clue from the Lord that it's you, Shannon, it's you, Shannon. And so I, I finally brought it up to my husband. And um, initially he was like, you know, are you sure about this? And he said, I need to pray about it. And so for probably about three weeks, he, he prayed about it. And we decided in, I think it was late September of 2017, that, you know, we needed to may, maybe make a move on this. And it was it was very obvious that the, the Lord was pushing us in that way. And so we picked up the phone and called the gentleman. Um, actually, I called his wife because I didn't have his, his phone number. And I said, you know, hey, we're thinking of being tested me th that I will be tested to be a kidney donor. And, um, you know, she got teary and she said, Shannon, she said, there have been six people who have gone to be tested before you, me being one of them. So his wife had been tested and she was like, it's going to be very difficult for you to be a match because, um, he has these antibodies that are there, um, cause he had had his brother's kidney 30 years before. And she was like, it's, you know, it's going to be difficult, but thank you for, you know, stepping up to the plate. We appreciate it. And so I started down the journey of being tested. And the first thing was filling out paperwork online, um, and then going in for, um, a blood test. And that blood test is, I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's the test where it, it, shows if you're a match. And I went in and had that done and then walked over to talk to my transplant coordinator who had been talking to for a few weeks. And she, she just looked at me like, you know, kind of pitiful because I, because I was kind of excited at that point that the Lord was taking me on this little trip to do this for this man. And she said, well, Shannon, don't get too, don't get too excited. 
about this because it'll have to be God ordained for you to be a match. And I remember it already when she, had been right <laughs> <laughs> when she said that. Uh, I remember turning around and getting on the elevator and thinking she shouldn't have said that because now it's oh. happening. <laughs> I know it's happening. And um, the next day she called and she said, you're a match. And um, so over the next few weeks, got to go through the rest of the testing. And then December 21st of 2017, um, I got to donate my kidney to a man who um, I texted with him earlier this week. So we're about 15 months out, and he is doing amazing. He's been able to go on trips. He's been able to hang out with his grandchildren. Um, he's doing He's doing really good. You know, this story ties so much to who you are and what you're about and what anyone who became affiliated with this franchise concept can expect from you is probably light years beyond the, the ordinary and literally light years ahead of what any franchisor would, could ever do for a, a franchisee you've done for humanity. And um, I just salute you as somebody who is going places in this world and those who hitch their wagons are going to be attached to a very, very fast moving engine. Shannon, for those yeah. who want to learn more and get in touch with you and hear more about your life and about your business and about your opportunities, What's the best way for the audience to do that? Yeah, and I want to say first off, this is that story is not about me. It's totally about the Lord. Um, I was disobedient to Him for quite some time until He made it very uh, aware, made me very aware that that's what I was supposed to do. So I, I definitely don't want to take um, the credit for that. So, but but how people can get a hold of me <laughs> is um, they can go to our website, which is jbfsale.com. Um, we also have um, a franchise website, jbfsalefranchise.com, and that JBF stands for Just Between Friends. Um, and also find me on LinkedIn, just under Shannon Wilburn. So that's how everyone can touch base with me. And I'm sure everyone appreciates your disclaimer, your heavenly disclaimer, but the reality of the fact is is that your life is guided by principles, and your principles and values are things that your franchise prospects and existing franchisees can be very fortunate to be hitched to. And so, well, I, again, I you're, hope you're, so. you're modest. Hope so. You're modest, and you're given you're given <laughs> you're given the, the just due to a power bigger than us all. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, having the receivers on and being guided and hearing those messages and acting on them is something that's all about you. So hats off to you, Shannon. I really want to thank you for coming on with us today and spending the time with the audience. And I do hope that you hear from those in the audience uh, who are moved by you as I've been since I've known you, and I'm real proud to call you a friend. Thank you, Stan. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on and letting me share that story. We look forward to seeing you on the uh, on the franchise trail, uh, any place yep. you're going to be in, in the next few weeks or in the upcoming weeks where people can find I, you? I I don't have anything scheduled yet. I definitely know that I want to go to D.C. in September as, you know, to do some lobbying on behalf of the industry. I want to do that. I'll probably be at Springboard, and I'll see what else is coming up. We'll look forward to seeing you out there, Shannon. All the best thank to you. you, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you, Stan. Hey, Mr. Ryan Hicks, I know you're out there. Why don't you bring up your mic and say hello? Hello, hello. 
Ah, there you are. What a great interview. What do you think? I mean, she's just a dynamic lady. I can't say enough about how I feel toward her and how I've watched her business and grow and how I've watched her grow. Seeing her every year at industry events, and there's just a full tank of gas going there all the time, right? I think that, and I know that story. I've heard the story a couple of times, but just listening to that, I'm in awe because Shannon is a giver. And you said it perfectly when you say folks that hitch their wagon, whether it's prospective franchisees or just folks in the industry, um, that's what you get with Shannon and that's what you get with her company. What a great story. And so for the audience who doesn't know it, what you get right now is you've got Ryan Hicks here joining me. Ryan um, has a concept called Modern Business Network. And Ryan, you want to talk a minute about Modern Business and about your Gary V interview? I think it was something that everyone should download and, and it, We'll make it easier for them to do that when we post it to the Facebook page for a franchise today so that they don't botch up the hot, <laughs> the botch job I did on trying to call out the URL. But um, yeah, tell the audience I, I a little bit about you, that. Yes, I texted you the uh, the SoundCloud link, but we can be found on every major podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, um, SoundCloud. Just search Modern Business, M-O-D-R-N Business the only one that will pop up. But, yeah, so Modern Business is really exciting because we're, we are, we're, we're starting to syndicate different content. We, we have, um, you know, my kind of as I started it, it's focused on bringing in lessons from leaders of franchising and then also talking about tools and technologies that can help you grow. And what it's grown into is we have a, a track that focuses on millennial franchise, millennials in franchising. We, we just actually launched a track that's called Women in Franchising. Today was the first episode, and we already have, I think, over 150 listens within just hitting publish not even, you know, a few hours ago. Um, but you asked about the Gary V uh, interview. I thought it was very, very powerful. He, um, man, he, he talked about, he, he gave many gold nuggets, and I can, I can share a couple of those, but Stan, when you and I were talking, you said one of the things that you took away is when it comes to content creation, the, the, the editing portion will inhibit a lot of folks. And so share, share, what, you, share what you took away from it because I think you summed it up really well. Well, I, I came away with a lot of things. I, you know, he validates to me the importance of doing things and, and you know, I, I took one piece away that was that was about substance over form, you know, instead of worrying about having the expensive mic and the, uh, you know, the greatest sound system and all this, um, get out there and get your message out there and make sure that you're talking to the right people about the right things and that your message gets a chance to resonate. Um, he talked a lot about content and about making sure that your content is reaching the, the right ears in the right way. And again, substance over form. If you've got the money and you've got the ability to do things first class, do them, but don't not do them because you know, you're waiting for perfection. Perfection will lead to paralysis. You go nowhere if you're polarized and the new media, the media that we're in right now, yes. everybody has, everybody can have a platform. Everybody can have a platform and you're not needing thousands of dollars for a network TV commercial anymore to tell your story. Yeah. And so whether you're talking internally to you as Shane Evans on that podcast talked 
about having started a podcast to her internal audience of existing franchisees and stakeholders, um, and also talking outside to prospective stakeholders. Um, share your story, communicate, and, and get people engaged. And that's really the word to me. If, if you took it down to a single word, engagement. I agree. I want to share a statistic. If, if folks listening are not a believer in new media and in investing energy into it, really, because you can do it without a budget. You really can. But I was just looking up on the, the stats for my podcast. And over the past seven days, there are 267 hours of consumption. This is seven days, 267 hours of consumption of the Modern Business Podcast. And so that's 267 hours of people listening to what I'm putting out there. And, again, it, it costs basically nothing to actually go put out content. So it, you basically said substance of uh, substance over form like put out content because it can give you a platform and give you a voice well appreciate your help in helping us do that here ryan and um happy to be helpful to you as well and we're coming up to the top of the hour where it's time for me to say we're just about done here for this week folks but we'll be back next wednesday at noon eastern and of course always available for download on demand at itunes and at block talk radio and, of course, check out the Franchise Today Facebook page where we'll post links to things like Ryan's podcast with Gary V, uh, Paul Segreto's weekly podcast as well. And until next week, I'm wishing you the very best in all things franchising. This is Stan Friedman saying Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.